0: A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus took Peter, John, and James and went up the mountain to pray. While he was praying, his face changed in appearance and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were conversing with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his exodus that he was going to accomplish in Jerusalem. Peter and his companions had been overcome by sleep, and becoming fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As they were about to part from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But he did not know what he was saying. While he was still speaking, A cloud came and cast a shadow over them, and they became frightened when they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my chosen son, listen to him. After the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. They fell silent and did not at that time tell anyone what they had seen the gospel of the Lord.
1: Our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. St. Paul in the second reading there was encouraging the people in Philippi, the Philippians. He was encouraging them to have them point their eyes towards where they were going. Heaven. Our citizenship is Is in heaven. And they were going through some tough times. They were struggling with different things. Those early Christians. We know we can read the history books. Of what they had to go through. To follow Jesus Christ. In our culture today. We use people. In our culture today. We we use people. People. We love things, and we worship ourselves. Our faith teaches us to use things, love people, and worship God. That's what's brought us here, to worship God. That quote comes from a professor... In Harvard University, a Catholic professor. Someone said to me after eleven o'clock mass, "says I haven't heard that one before. I need to look it up." And I said, "It's hot off the press, via text message." Somebody reflecting in our times. Saint Paul was pretty abrupt. He said, "Their God is their stomach, and their shame is their glory." In our culture. We use people, love things, and worship ourselves. Yet our faith teaches us to use things, love people, and worship God. God keeps his promises. Even in the midst of our broken promises. God is a promise keeper. In the liturgy word of today, speaking to us in the today of our life is all about promises. Promises and the promises God keeps. The promise God made to Abraham. Abraham, this is what I want you to do. I want you to leave Ur and I want you to just go. Where are we going, Lord? Don't worry, I'll tell you later. That's why Abraham is called our father in faith. He stepped out in faith. If You want to learn about the stars? Father Mike is much brighter than me. Very smart. Reads a lot. He gave an awesome homily. It's on live stream. You can see it recorded where he talks about the number of the stars and the number of stars that we can see and we can't see. And he goes into the vast depths of God's promises. That later when Abraham takes his son Isaac to offer him as a sacrifice. And God didn't ask him to do that to his son. But God was willing to offer his only begotten son. Not to condemn the world, but to redeem it. To show the world that he loved us. And in that sacrifice, at the end when he didn't offer his son, Abraham. He said, let me tell you a little deeper. It's going to be more than all the sands on the shores, seashores. Father Mike goes a little into that, to talk about God's promises. So we see in Abraham, God speaking to Abraham, meeting him in the day of his life, asking something of him, but making a promise. St. Paul turning those early Christians to the promise of God, even in the midst of difficulties, challenges. Our beloved Lord, why did he go up the mountain? Why was he transfigured? To show us where we're going. That our citizenship's in heaven. That it's through the cross to the resurrection. They didn't know. His divinity was concealed in his humanity. Remember he, he walked on water. He calmed the seas. And they're like who is this guy? He was like us and is like us. In all things but sin. And yet on that holy mountain. He was transfigured with Moses and Elijah at his side. Why? To prepare his apostles his intimate three who He would take forward with Him, Peter, James and John, into the Garden of Gethsemane to see Him sweat blood. To prepare them for the scandal of the cross. The scandal of the cross can, which can cause us to lose sight of God's promises. That it's through the cross to the resurrection. God keeps His promises. Our world is needs a savior our world more than ever now needs a savior and people need hope to know that god has a promise for all people that the dignity of the human person every single human person created in god's image and likeness whether or not They are sitting in the pew, whether or not they are doing good or evil or whatever. They're created in God's image and likeness. And he calls them as he calls us to communion with him. He wants heaven for them. That's why he invites us to follow him and to carry our cross. So that maybe through us, those who persecute us... Calumniate us, utter every kind of evil against us falsely because we try to follow Jesus. And I say, try to follow Jesus because oftentimes we break those promises to Jesus. But He's there to pick us up. And it's through our brokenness that the light of Christ shines. Jesus wants to work through us. And Jesus wants us, by our imitating him, to draw people through the cross to the resurrection. Everybody is called to communion with God. The dignity of the human person is intrinsic and not extrinsic. It comes from God, and God wants people in heaven with him. But he wants us freely choose it. He makes that promise. I want to share with you a story of a family I visited in Louisiana. You see, the first two years of my priesthood were in Louisiana, and I was traversing the whole state, doing summer camps and doing after-school activities for young people, from everywhere from from, uh, New Orleans through Baton Rouge to Lafayette. I see a lot of heads nodding. All the way to Lake Charles, almost to Texas, to Houston. And I was in Lafayette, and we were doing a little camp there. We'd show up there a couple times a week. And you see this mom would come in with her three children. And she'd come in, and she had one of those vans that were uh, handicap access where it could lower, lower down so she could get out of the driver's spot out of her wheelchair. See, she was paralyzed from the waist down. And I never, even though I wanted to, I wanted to kind of Ask what happened, but I refrained from asking what happened. She wanted to be treated like everybody else, very joyful, very given, very helpful. And she just worked around with the other parents, not want any attention to herself. One day she came up and said, Father, you got some time where you want to come over to dinner with us, our family? I said, I'd love to. So I go over to the family on Friday night and go over to dinner and her husband was a mechanic, and you could see that he worked long, hard hours. You just had to look at his hands to see how hard he worked. And so I show up at the door and knock on the door, and they had a, a, a person who was a medical staff that lived with her during the day to help her around because she had limited capability to get around. And then when her husband got home from work, the medical staff would leave, and he'd take over. And so I show up at the house, the table set, And the dinner's cooked by the husband. We sit down for the meal and they say grace. And we eat the meal. Very joyful family. After finishing the meal, the kids are getting up. And the kids are taking the plates to the sink to be washed. And then dad gets up and starts washing the dishes. And the house was set up in a way where we could all continue to converse. And I was just marveling at that scene of service and family life. Then they finished cleaning the dishes and Parents looked at me and said, hey, Father, you know, kind of close out the night with our family prayers. You want to do our family prayers with us? And I'm sitting there. I'm getting schooled. (laughs) They're teaching me what a domestic church really is. I mean, they're like teaching me how to fix up my domestic church, which is my heart. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, when you get on an airplane and they say put the oxygen on on yourself first before your children. And so it's our domestic heart where we've got to look at those, those promises. So I'm looking at promises of family life just unfold before me. So we sit down and we, they pray and they do their standard prayers. And they kind of go around the horn and it's just prayers of thanksgiving, of gratitude for their day. The parents leading the way with that. When they finish, dad gets the children up and his wife stays there and he helps all the kids, puts all the kids to bed. And he comes back and we sit down and I'm just like blown away and I said, tell me your vocation story, tell me your calling, how, how y'all got married, a few tears start to well up in her eyes and she looks at me and she says, well you know Father, we were, we were six months out from our marriage and I got in a car wreck. And I was paralyzed from the waist down. She looked over at her husband, tears even welled up a little more, started streaming down her face. I said, Father, it was amazing. My dad carried me down the aisle, and he carried me out. Sixteen years of marriage, father. Sixteen years. Man. Isn't it beautiful in this world of ours, and we've all had those moments in different ways, where we encounter people, young people, married couples, grandparents, great-grandparents, people in the grocery store, faithful people pumping our gas, like the guy who used to pump our gas at Allen's Golf in Atlanta, Georgia. We always went 20 miles out of the way to go to this gas station. People keeping their promises so beautiful. It's such a reflection of a God who has an overwhelming amount of mercy that promises joy and peace and everlasting life to us all. Here's the bottom line. We got this theme. What do I need to leave behind? what do I need to leave behind? In The moment of silence before we pray the creed together, profess our faith together. Think about it. Go to that garden eating of your heart and ask that question, what do I need to leave behind? What, What broken promise do I need to leave behind that I maybe beat myself up about? What broken promise that may face me down the road where I'm going to be moved to break upon? What do I need to imitate our Lord and keep my promise? Take it. Take whatever it is and place it on the altar. In a moment, I'll I'll pray over over the hosts before we enter into that consecration. I'll pray, pray, brothers and sisters. That my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Father Almighty. Abraham offered a sacrifice. Put the burnt offering up there. Burn it. Let it go. Give it to God. And walk out there knowing that God's got a promise for you and all you Because when I fin- finish that, you're going to say to me, may the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands. For the praise and glory, for the worship of our God. For the praise and glory of God. For our good. And the good of the whole church. There's people in the world right now who need our prayers. People in Ukraine. Or in other parts of the world of the one baptism of Jesus Christ that need our prayers. The Holy Spirit can traverse water, land, air. The Holy Spirit can penetrate hearts where we cannot go. The first Christians, when they encountered those difficult times, they left behind their lack of trust in God. They put their confidence in God, and they circled in communion as we are here this evening. And they prayed with a living, active, and luminous faith, not knowing where they're going, but they prayed for each other. And in the midst of those prayers, God kept His promises. His promise, when you read the Beatitudes, it's not all in this earth. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, because He'll keep His promise. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain Mercy. And enter the promised land. Brothers and sisters of Christ. What. Do I need to leave behind. Tonight. To cling with trust. To God's promises. And to go out. And fulfill. The good resolutions. And the promises I make to God. In return. What do I need to leave behind?